Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 864 of the Juicebox Podcast. Welcome back to the Type 2 Diabetes Pro Tip series from the Juicebox Podcast. Today is the next episode in that series, and Jenny Smith and I will be discussing shame and guilt and how those things may be tricking you into not taking care of yourself. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. This is the spot in other episodes where I remind type 1s to go to the T1D exchange and take the survey, but instead, because this is a type 2-centric podcast, I want to say this to the type 1s that are listening. You love the podcast. You subscribe. That's why you got this episode. I bet you also know people in your life with type 2 diabetes that need help. Please pass these episodes on to those people. And if you're new to the podcast and you have pre or type 2 diabetes, welcome. I hope you'll love this. I really think it's going to help you. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter. Learn more at contournext.com forward slash juice box. That's right. The Contour Next Gen. What do you think the Gen stands for? It's next generation. Whether you have type 1 or type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes and you need to check your blood sugar, the Contour Next Gen is for you. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. I'll tell you a little bit more about that meter later on in the program. But if you're looking for accurate blood glucose meter results, Contour Next Gen is the way to go. Hey, Jenny, how are you? I'm Great. How are you, Scott? <laughs> Jenny's not great. Her dog ran away and she's trying to be upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing this while my husband is out looking for the dog. So, you know. I'm sure the dog's okay. going to be fine. Uh, you all He's just, got a collar. He's got a number on it. You know, it's all so, just, yeah. just Let's just say the people just missed a nice five-minute conversation about the responsibility of dog ownership. <laughs> yes. If you're going to own a dog, be prepared to take care of it like you prepare to take care of a child. Exactly. That's essentially it. Yes. So um, we hit record here because I'm in slightly unsteady water um, mm. for what we're trying to do here. So I think everybody who listens to the podcast knows that it is overwhelmingly it's a type one diabetes podcast, right? It's I think it helps adults and caregivers pretty equally, but it's mainly about type one. And then over the last few years, I've been thinking about, as I mentioned in the first episode of this series, I wanted to figure out how to help type twos. And then I started mm -hmm. seeing type twos come into the Facebook group and listen to the podcast. And then they were making these kind of really amazing like improvements in their life. So we, uh, we asked the listeners of the podcast, you know, what would you like to know about type two diabetes? And it's going to be a little strange talking about it because my conversation is going to come from kind of some anecdotal stuff and kind of my reflections of what I've seen people talk about. You, of course, Jenny, are not just a CDE, but um, you have a degree in nutrition. Yes. Correct. So yes. Um, you're going to be a, a great help here. And Jenny, um, in a former life, uh, why don't you tell people what you used to do? Yeah, 
Yeah. So within the realm of diabetes education, um, while I was working as a dietitian within a hospital care system, I was also helping to teach the type two accredited classes um, within the hospital that I worked at. Um, and I was working with a nurse educator who was head of the education, the diabetes education department. Um, and we coordinated the classes together um, on the angle of, you know, all things diabetes in terms of the medications and monitoring and the nutrition part and the activity part. I mean, all the things that go into um, managing. Yeah. So that is what I did. And it actually helped me as well accrue enough hours to sit what was the um, CDE exam, Certified Diabetes Educator exam, which now we are CDCESs, right? Everybody still calls us CDEs, so it's all right. <laughs> well, I so here's what I've, I've been thinking forever. And I, I mentioned a little bit in the first episode, but I'll just say it here again. If you see behind the scenes in the diabetes space, people, companies, organizations, institutions are always trying to figure out why type ones are such a close knit group of people online. Like there's a real type one diabetes community online. There and is. Yeah. It just, the reasons why, I mean, you can all guess for yourself, but it just exists. It's a helpful community. It's a vocal community. They're not afraid to share what's going on with themselves. And anyway, these organizations, these companies, they've all, they all muse kind of behind the scenes about, I wish we could, you know, build a community for type twos. Uh, and we tried and it didn't work. And we tried this and it didn't work. And, and I've had conversations and meetings where I've given my opinion about why I think it didn't work and how it could. And people didn't take my advice. So now I'm just going to do it myself. Um, and I'm going to do it here with this. And I Great. thought I thought the way to start off was by addressing guilt and shame. So there were a number of different categories that people brought up: medications, doctors, um, you know, diet, di diets, which we're not going to call diets. Jenny, we're going to call fueling plans. Fueling plans. I'm going to have to leave that written in front of me for a couple weeks to change <laughs> change the way I speak. Um, and but to me, if we're going to start this conversation. I think we have to start it with why, if you have type 2 diabetes, is it difficult to step up and say, I have type 2 diabetes, I don't understand it, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, I think it's killing me and I'm not really sure how to stop it. You know, like, I, that's the insecurity I see with a lot of people with type 2. Like, this thing is happening to them and they they don't seem to know what to do about it. There's absolute negative there's a negative piece to having type two diabetes mm -hmm. um, from an um, from an understanding perspective, but I think that that it lacks information, and I think that that's where it comes from. And a lot of a lot of that negative attitude can be because the majority of people who don't have diabetes of any type, type two specifically here, there, there's a lot of missing information. And so there are there are silly statements that are made that are completely not true. Mm -hmm. And you never know when you're saying something that might be just an off the, you know, off the cuff kind of like, 
haha joke, whatever. You don't know if somebody that you're sitting around has type two diabetes and then that's taken. It's taken in. Sure. You internalize it and then you realize I, I need to keep this quiet or I'm going to take, I'm going to take this from other people. Or I'm going to be the brunt of the jokes or I'm going to be the brunt of, Hey, did you know this could help you? Or, Hey, did you know, you know, I've got this friend who's talking to this person and don't you know that this could really help you? Or, you Mm -hmm. know, we'll talk about all the supplements and all the funny things that people get offered help from. Um, And I think that brings a lot of it in. It's like, I'd rather maybe be quiet about it and just well, manage. I think, I think we always end up in this situation where we sort of talk around it because, I mean, obviously you and I don't want to insult anybody and we don't have no. the, we don't have those feelings. But it's, I think it's worth like just vocalizing right now that other people do that and that's hard to hear and you don't want to hear that and I understand not wanting to hear that. Right. And I think it a lot of it, too, comes from the people who may be making com- comments or maybe thinking what they know about type 2 diabetes, but it's completely false. It's it's from this idea people have that it is self-induced. Yes, exactly. Right? Like I did that something to myself. I did something. I have it. Or, God, they're, they must have totally just not paid attention. Or they must have done something that created this problem for them. Yeah. Right. Look at you. Your body is whatever. That's obviously because you don't take care of yourself. And so you deserve somehow this thing that's happened to you. And that's, I think that's the, that's the, the path that minds can follow when they say stupid things like that. And, And it lets them off the hook too. They get to say, well, I'm, I'm okay being horrible to this person. Cause look, they did it to themselves. And, and then whether that's true or not, and we're going to talk about why it's not. But whether it's true or not, that's how you feel it. If you're mm-hmm. on, if you're on the receiving end of that, that's how you felt it. And now someone picks up and says, "Hey, I've started a diabetes group that might help you understand your diabetes better." Or why don't you talk to your friends who have it and see if and nobody nobody's going to want to do that then. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And I think, as you said earlier, the the type one world has a lot of has a lot of connection. They've it's a very big community that's like getting a big hug whenever you reach out for something. Yeah. Right? And people are very willing and open to talk about it. But it's the minimal percent of people who have diabetes as a whole. The bigger community has type 2 diabetes. Oh, by leaps and bounds numbers wise, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And even now, and I, I think it's unfortunate, on, but now even includes children and teens mm-hmm. with type 2 diabetes, not type 1. And thinking of that and how they will grow if they don't get the right information and the right way to feel about how to navigate this, they will get that same image that maybe their parent with type 2 has or maybe their grandmother with type 2 has. And a lot of the older information, unfortunately, is kind of clouding what those with type 2 in the past 10 or even 20 years could be doing differently if they just got around that mindset of, I clearly must have done something wrong. Well, in regards to being open about it, I guess, type 1s are sort of protected, right? Because, it, and here's how I've seen it. Like and Again, this is anecdotal from watching people talk about it for so long. But because it's an autoimmune issue, 
and your pancreas, you know, was attacked by your own body and doesn't make insulin anymore, you get to say, well, I didn't do this to myself. I don't, you, you don't make an autoimmune issue. So you can, you can shed, you would think you could be able to shed some of that, the guilt and the shame that could come along with it. So I guess we should first talk about what are the ways that people get type two diabetes? Like if you, if you have an autoimmune disease, that gives you type one, can you eat your way into type two diabetes? Or is that not, is that just a misnomer? Is it the quality of the food? Is it like, what? what's the real honesty of it? That's a deep rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, I don't want, listen, I don't want to get anybody in trouble because- No, I, no. I, but, but I mean, let we can't start talking about it if we're going to lie to people in the first 10 minutes. So- Correct. You, you know what I mean? Right. So to be quite honest, in terms of lifestyle, absolutely. Lifestyle does play a part mm-hmm. in terms of the potential for somebody to- have type 2 diabetes. Uh, you're more likely to develop it if you are overweight or what you know is categorized as being obese, which is a certain BMI level above being just overweight. Um, extra weight can cause what we know is called insulin resistance or the inability for, for the body to utilize the insulin that is being produced mm-hmm. by the beta cells in your pancreas. And initially, somebody with some dysregulation of insulin production in the body um, in terms of potential for having type 2 diabetes diagnosed, some of that comes from the resistance factor. Um, The location of where the weight on the body is distributed can make a big difference. Activity level can make a big difference. Um, Can food make a big difference? Absolutely it can. Is it... And you said quality. Could the quality of food make a difference? Yes. Mm. If you're thinking on the on the edge of preservatives and more processed versus more real food, let's yeah. call it, right? Sure. There is a big difference. I mean, that's it's kind of a question that's in the air, regardless of what condition you have, heart disease and all of those kinds of things. Could it be worse or could I have brought it on because I'm eating more of this processed less real food than real, real food. Um, Sure. But those are some of the big pieces from a metabolic standpoint that somebody is more likely to have type 2 diabetes. Mm. Does it mean that every person who might be overweight is going to have type 2? No. Yeah. It does not. Um, Family history or genetics, we know, play it plays a very big part as well mm-hmm. in terms of the potential. Um, so if you have a strong family history of type 2 diabetes, then some lifestyle things that you put into action for yourself may very well be preventative. Yeah. I, I would say this too. I, I don't think, I mean, yes, if you're an adult, you're in charge of what you're eating, right? But Correct. there are there are other factors at play, like financial implications about the foods you can afford to begin with, how you grew up, what somebody put in front of you when you were a child and told you this is good food, this is not, or, or, in, and by the way, no one may have said to you, this is good or this is bad. They may have just, maybe it's just even your food you remember like, oh, like yeah. when I was a kid, we used to eat this. And so you become an adult and you make that, you, you know, like yes. it's, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's a malevolent 
issue. Like, I don't think that somebody's parents three generations ago were like, I'm going to eat unhealthy, you, you know, and and, uh, and right. it's going to cause all kinds of medical issues and it will teach my children to eat unhealthy and they'll teach their children. Like, it's not like that. It's you, you just you do what you do. And but to to not understand that that's what's happening. I think that's the crime. Right. Like if and and to not know how to get out of it, if there are actually ways and it turns out there are a number of ways that you can help yourself then, you know, that's a crime too. So we're not going to pretend like, I mean, listen, this is straight from the ADA. Type 2 diabetes is generally caused by a combination of lifestyle and genetic factors. Lifestyle factors, including being overweight or obese, eating a high, uh, eating a diet high in carbohydrates, sugars and fats, and physical inactivity. I mean, that's, you know, that's directly from their website and it's dated just last year. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but that's all, but the point is, is that that's... (laughs) That's all bullshit now. You've got type 2 diabetes. Like, who cares how we got here? Right. Let's see what we can do now. Um, but that becomes an issue because guilt and shame are real things. They are real things and they burden people. So I want to read you a, a couple of um, a couple of things. And I'm not going to tell you who they're from until, until we're done. But I asked a group of people, if you've struggled with guilt or shame and you've found a way past it, Can you please share your experiences here? And I told them that their experiences might be used anonymously on the podcast. So, you know, everybody's okay. First person just says, I went to therapy. Another Mm -hmm. person said, I connected with other people who were in the same boat and hearing their stories helped me. Giving myself grace, being patient, focusing on my family, prayer, therapy, connecting with others. This goes on and on. My neurologist put me on an antidepressant for migraines, but that ended up helping me with my anxiety. You know, like that stuff. I was embarrassed and I felt guilty for dealt. Now, now here's where the here's where the secret comes in, Jenny, because I think I've read enough now that anybody with type two diabetes is listening and said, "Oh yeah, I I have felt like that." You know, Uh, here Mm -hmm. here at the beginning of um, the onset, it was the realization. um, Often part of strategies of I went through a bunch of grief. You know, uh, I. I went through these stages of grief. I had to get educated. The education empowered me. I felt a lot of guilt. I felt like I brought it on myself. These are just over and over again. There are dozens of responses here, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a type two and you're saying to yourself, these sound like things I have thought for myself, these are all responses from people with type one diabetes. Type one or type two? Type one. Because in the end, it doesn't matter how right. you got here. It feels the same once you're there. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how did this happen to me? Bargaining. Right. People talked about bargaining with God. I'll do something different. Please take it away. You know, and this person, of course, said they'd bargain that they would eat better if their pancreas would start working again. And, and these are mm-hmm. real, real responses from real people who live with type 1 diabetes. But yet their responses, I imagine, mimic how anyone else would feel type one or type two. Um, I would agree, especially within the, like I said, I, I taught classes for type two diabetes and many of the people that initially came into our classes, which was like a four part series. If you need a blood glucose meter, then you need the results from that meter to be accurate and dependable. Contour has a full line of terrific blood glucose meters. Today, we're going to be talking about the Contour Next Gen. It's absolutely fabulous. ContourNext.com 
forward slash juice box. When you get there, it says blood glucose monitoring right at the top on the left. You can click on that and, and then go to meters and you'll see the Contour Next Gen, the Contour Next One, all of them. They're all right there. You can see about free meter offers and their test trip programs, but also you'll learn about their second chance test trips because here's the cool thing. Whether you have the Next Gen or the Next One or any, actually any of their meters, all the test strips work with all the meters. It's terrific, really. And those test strips have second chance testing, which means if you start getting some blood on the strip, but don't get quite enough, you can go back and get more without ruining the accuracy or the strip. So there's no wasted strips because you got oh, a little bit and then uh, squeeze the blood a little more and then you go back. That doesn't happen anymore. And guess what? The strip requires a tiny bit of blood. It's absolutely terrific. Contour Next Gen works with Contour Next strips. Easy to use, highly accurate, has a smart light for easier understanding of blood glucose levels, and it connects to the free Contour Diabetes app. And of course, I told you about the second chance sampling technology, which helps you to save test strips, and test strips are money. It's also possible, and this might sound crazy to you, but it's possible that you can buy your strips and your meter in cash and pay less money than you would through your insurance company. It's worth checking out. There's a ton of places where you can buy them. Uh, on my link, contournext.com forward slash juicebox, you can click the buy now button. I just did it. You might've heard me click. And it will give you links to CVS, Walgreens, Amazon, Walmart, Rite Aid, Target, Kroger, and Meyer. Check around on those sites. See where you can get the best deal. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. You check in your blood sugar. That number is important. Meters are not all the same. Get a good one. Get an accurate meter. Get the Contour Next Gen. When you click on my link, you're helping to support the show. So type it into a browser, contournext.com forward slash juice box. Hit it in the show notes of your podcast player or go to juiceboxpodcast.com. Many of them appeared to just come because it was something their doctor required them to do or really requested for them to do or felt like they had enough questions to their doctor that they needed to go somewhere to get them answered. Mm -hmm. And I would say that many people didn't appear to really want to be in that first class. Yeah. They... And I, that was just my perception, right? Mm -hmm. um, what I could see. But once once we got rolling and they could see that information, the tidbits that would make sense in their life, yeah. this bit of information, that bit of information, well, gosh, what? how many questions or how many times I heard, why did nobody tell me this? Mm -hmm. I've had this for, you know, our classes were people who had had type two for a number of years or who were newly diagnosed. So it's everybody all together. And eventually in class, those with type two for a longer period would bring in to the people, they, they'd get connected with the people who are newly diagnosed. I've tried this or, oh yeah, I was on that medicine and never worked for me, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. So there was a sense of bringing people together that they felt comfortable to talk with others who had type two. And then by the end of class, the questions and the things, and they, they would leave class feeling like whatever portion of education or information they got from what we gave them, there was a way to put it into action. Yeah. 
there was something that made sense um, as their, this is why I, this is why I can try this, Mm -hmm. or this is why I can go back to my doctor and say, well, I learned all this stuff and I've been trying this and this isn't working. So I might need a medicine change. Would you talk with me about the other options? Um, So in terms of education point for type two, that's one piece. I would definitely say if nobody's ever told you, you can have education, you can. Yeah. And you should ask about it if nobody's ever told you to go and see somebody. Right. The classes for type two, I think are enormously beneficial. And if you can find one within your area, like I said, getting to be in class with others who mm-hmm. also have type two, it brings in a sense of community that many people who've lived with type two for a number of years already have not ever had. What, what would you say that people lack the most? Like, what do they lack that they're there to learn about? Is it basic understandings of nutrition? And because I find, I find there are times that people say to me, I didn't realize that this food had this impact on a body, forget my body, on a body. I just didn't know. And then somebody told them and they're like, oh, okay, well then I won't do that anymore. You, you know, and, right. it, and it's, it's the, it, it's the feeling to me, I, I think that the the implication from others can be that, again, you're doing it to yourself. But I just think that we're just doing what occurs to us. It's not like we're making a bad decision on purpose all the time. Now, I, I'm right. sure there's some people are, but that's not my that's not my point. That overall, I find that people don't run around doing things to hurt themselves on purpose. Correct. You, you know what I'm saying? And so you just need to understand enough to get you going. And then right. you get a little momentum and you see a little, maybe you feel a little better or you, you know, you, maybe you lose a couple of pounds and you have a little more energy and you start having a little more focus and you think, okay, well, I made this small change. Uh, maybe I'll add a walk, you know, I'll go for right. a walk now. And, and, you know, if you can't walk outside, walk around your house, like walk around your apartment. Like, I don't care. Like do right. something, you, you know, right. and then incrementally you'll see change and that change should draw you in that other direction. And, 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 Again, it seems like the problem is I should go to a class to learn, but I'm embarrassed. I feel ashamed. Listen, um, the guilt and shame of not noticing made me sick. My Mm. initial gut reaction when my PCP told me uh, that I had diabetes um, was of shame. The people use the word shame constantly over and over again. And this is a, a very... I'm not a therapist, okay? But I have I have a therapist that comes on and this is a big thing that she talks about all the time that people just can the feeling of shame and guilt they're not exactly the same and I'm not qualified to talk about it. But I do know that it holds you down and it mm-hmm. stops you from doing things you want to do because you don't want to feel it anymore. And then right. that is not a tenable situation. Like it's not going to you know what I mean? You're not going to pretend your way through this basically. No. You're not. Yeah, and yeah. in fact, if you if you feel that way, forgetting will 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 make it worse. Mm-hmm. I, I, whether and nobody again, as you said, sets out for that to happen. But it's almost a well. If I just put it to the side and I just take the meds that the doctor told me to take, that should take care. Of, like it's almost a convincing of yourself that 
they do this bare minimum thing. Yeah. And again, I go back in terms of education. At diagnosis, it it shouldn't be this rip-off script of, well, this is what you have, and there's no education about even what type 2 diabetes means. Mm -hmm. Like, physiologically, what's happening in the body? Why do I all of a sudden have this? Or quite honestly, type 2 diabetes has been a progressive state where um, initially your body tries to handle the glucose levels that are not contained in the normal range Mm -hmm. without diabetes. And so, you know, your body needs more insulin to essentially get the glucose levels down and to help that glucose get into the cells, right? So at first in type two, your pancreas actually kicks in. It's like, I have to make more. I have to keep up. I have to give, 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 give. And eventually over time, at that point, many, several years later, that's when you actually find out a diagnosis of type two mm-hmm. after your body has already not been handling things well enough. Tell me the um, the other side of it. So it's the combination of lifestyle and genetic factors. So you could be, I mean, people say it all the time on the, on the podcast, right? Um, I was, a, I was diagnosed with type one as an adult, but I was first misdiagnosed as a type two. Because mm-hmm. they looked at my body style and they just assumed I had type 2 diabetes. But that can happen in the reverse for people, too. You can be, you know, I, I, I always use the example of when I was growing up, my neighbor's husband was tall and lean and fit, but he died of a heart attack really young. And mm-hmm. when he passed, everybody was like, that doesn't make sense. To, to them, that doesn't make sense. He's not fat. Right. Like, right. because back in the, I mean, God, what was it the 70s and the 80s? Like, that's what we understood. You know what I mean? Right. Like, heavier people have heart attacks. You know, yes. trust me, we didn't know a whole lot. And um, my best toy was like a stretchy doll. <laughs> 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 like, the world was not as advanced. <laughs> um, but, but he's a good example. This man's a good example. He didn't fit the bill visually. And so nobody paid attention to his heart. And, right. and people in diabetes get, kind of yanked around like this all the time. Oh, you're heavier, you have type two. They won't even test you. Like I've heard people tell stories like, look, I'm in the doctor's office. I tell them my mom has type one diabetes. My grandmother has type one diabetes. I have diabetes. Test me. Give me a C-peptide test. I think I have type one. No, 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 we're not doing that. You're overweight. It's type two. Mm -hmm. Like that's just insane. And so when that kind of stuff also exists, and you're already embarrassed or you feel ashamed or guilty, how are you supposed to stand up in that moment and tell the doctor, I need help? Like, you're not explaining this to me. I obviously don't know. And I think, look, I can't speak for every doctor, obviously, but it, it wouldn't have gotten this far if there wasn't a preconceived notion, hey, you have diabetes now, and now we're gonna write you off like you're a lost cause. We move you over to the other side of the ledger. And I really think that happens to people and it doesn't need to be like that, but the doctors probably bump into so much what they consider to be, oh God, that word. I don't even want to say. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to talk around it. <laughs> okay. I assume they meet, I assume they bump into patients that they think have no interest in getting better. But the doctors sure. are going to call them non-compliant. They're yes. going to say, they're going to say, I gave them a diet. 
and I told him an exercise routine. And six months later, he came back and he hadn't lost weight. And, this and there a, was no difference. So I take mm-hmm. you and I slide you right off here. And then that happens enough times to that doctor. And my assumption is then they just begin to believe that people aren't going to try to change or to do the things that they, you know, whatever. But I, it's never that easy. It's it, right. it just isn't. Like, I for some people, like, your body's built the way it's built. Like, you ever see a real muscular person and you're like, I would like to be like that. But my body doesn't. It's not built that way. You know what right. I mean? Like, like everybody's not going to – I'm not saying people shouldn't get more exercise and eat better. Everyone should be doing that. That's just – I think that's obvious to all of us. But, Correct. But just changing something, if you don't really understand what to change – like, I watched it with my mom. My mom got type 2 diabetes. Should not have been a surprise. Her father had it. His father had it. This is not – her brother has it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody's got it. And my mom says to me, I have to start eating more healthy. That's what she said. That's what the doctor told me. Be more healthy. My poor mom in her 70s, trying to decide what that is. So I said, well, mom, make a list of foods you think of as healthy. We'll sit down and look at them together. There was not one valuable food on that for lowering her blood sugar. Not one. I'm sure. Oh, my God. It was, and I wasn't mad at her. Like, I was like, I'm like, mom, like, honey, honey, listen, (laughs) like, here's what we're going to do. You, You know what I mean? Yeah. And I got her into a slightly lower carb situation, mm-hmm. set her up with some, like, my mom just thought a vegetable was a vegetable, you know? Right. Like, so I said, mom, yes. these are the vegetables that are actually lower in carbs. I'm sure her vegetables were corn and peas oh because she God. comes from that, she comes from that era. Yeah. She does. Yeah. Corn, right? We'll have a, we'll throw a potato in. It'll be lovely. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, no. like, mom, we're not going to have a potato for a while, okay? And, uh, and so, and so it, it was just very interesting that when given the task of why don't you write down things that you think would be less impactful on your blood sugar, she couldn't, okay. she couldn't for the life of her think of any of them. No, I'm sure yeah. she couldn't. And again, I bring in, uh, oh, my dog is back, by the way, not to interrupt. Oh, no, that's a good thing to say. Everybody's probably been worried. Yay. I'm sure they're not, but yay. Oh, well, you have no idea. I'm going to get emails about your dog. I'm, I'm glad you said this. Um <laughs> So anyway, there yeah, you go. Okay. Dog, dogs um, no, back. I was gonna say all dogs back, but um in general, you know, my dad also had type two diabetes. And were it not for the fact that I had had and lived with type one diabetes prior to his diagnosis, and I think he was diagnosed when I was in like the end of high school, probably like my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, you know, been living with type one for a number of years already. And so my mom had, she had learned because of me. Yeah. However, had she not, my mom being the primary like cook in the house mm-hmm. and my mom having grown up on a dairy farm, um, she would have continued to cook the very typical, I call it the meat and potato type of fare, right? That would have been what she did. And we also wouldn't have known the things that we knew um, from learning from my experience. So my dad had a very different start with type 2 diabetes than somebody else, but he was of the same age as kind of your mom. Mm -hmm. Who, well, goodness, what's wrong with like corn and peas, right? And in in general, 
they're better than sitting down to a bag of Cheetos. Right, right. Absolutely. From a nutrition, like nutrient standpoint, Mm -hmm. they are. But from a blood sugar management standpoint, they're different. And that's where, like I said, I keep going back to education, but quite honestly, from a type two perspective, I think some of some of the stigma, some of the feelings of gosh, I've got this thing now and I don't know where to turn. I don't even know who to talk to. And maybe my, you know, my grandma had it and my dad had it. So I was going to get it anyway. I saw how they navigated. It was never really talked about. So I guess I'm just going to go about and maybe I'll eat a salad every day because that that's better, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's better. The doctor said to try to eat better. And there's, there's not enough information. And it kind of boils down to the fact that majority of people with type two, they're being navigated in management by primary care. Yeah. And Thank goodness for healthcare. Thank goodness for physicians, for general practitioners, for PCP. Thank goodness for them. However, type 2 diabetes is definitely, it's a metabolic, right? It's much more metabolic. You can hear all the things we're talking about that our lifestyle that many people, they don't really think about too much until, oh my goodness, I have type 2 diabetes. And primary cares are, they are not, they're not educated for lack of a better word mm-hmm. in terms of teaching the things that are needed for type 2 management they are not mm-hmm. they should be referring for people to learn more you've got this major thing that's going to be there 24/7 for someone now right you have to give them more tools than telling them to just eat better and to get exercise that is that's like speaking Greek you need a to chance. somebody. You, you need a chance. And to, you know, it's interesting. You told your story and I told my story. Your father and my mother both had the same thing. Yes. They had the benefit of someone else's experience. It's exactly what they had. My mom was helped by me because I have a daughter who has type 1 diabetes. And I make yes. this podcast and I was like, I know how to. I have seen every food go in my daughter's mouth and I've watched it on her CGM and I was like, Mom. I don't know yep. anything about nutrition, but eat these things. These things don't hit as hard. And that's it. I know you want a piece of bread. We'll get you bread. We're going to make sure it doesn't have high fructose corn syrup in it. We're going to make sure it does this. We're going to like little right. things, right? Yeah. Your father had a, a, a woman cooking for him who had to cook, <laughs> right? Because that was a long yes. time ago. Your dad probably yes. never made a meal in his life. And um, Oh, no. <laughs> oh, he no, was actually, he? He, was, he, was a, he was a good cook. Okay. It was just that my mom, you know, they grew up the way that they grew up. And it was just that my mom, she was the cook and she was a really good cook. But yeah, my dad could, he could, in fact, we have a a hot dish. I don't know that no, anybody even knows what hot dish is. It's like a casserole. Okay. Okay. Um, He had a hot dish that on the nights that my mom, my mom was a teacher. And so on the nights that she had um, like teacher, you know, teacher, he would make the dinners and that kind of stuff. He had, we still call it dad's hot dish. Now I make it with like better things, (laughs) Um, but it was essentially ground meat. And then they always did these canned jars of like, it was peppers and onions and um, tomatoes from the garden. And my mom did all the canning and it was like a hot dish seasoned kind of thing that you'd put over Mm -hmm. elbow noodles and ground meat or ground beef. Um, And it was mixed together. So 
Well, I'm laughing. My dish is different. Because when I would get in a corner, I would just take ground meat and then melt cheese over it. And I would put it on a plate. And my son was like, what is this? I'm like, it's cheeseburger surprise. <laughs> he, goes, <laughs> he goes, what's the surprise? I'm like, it's not on a roll. <laughs> and then they, <laughs> I'm stuck. I guess all dads do something silly like that. but They but, do. But the, the point of it is, is that whether you're a person who has type 2 diabetes who I've witnessed in the Facebook group or mm-hmm. who've come on the podcast and been nice enough to tell their stories – they all have the benefit of listening to someone else. And I know we want to stand around and like some people want to argue that type one diabetes and type two diabetes, like I don't want their, they don't have anything to do with each other. And okay, they're different diseases. And that's a hundred percent true. I'm not arguing that point, but both of them are about blood sugar management in one. And that's what they're about. And the, and the things that you can learn from watching a type one manage their blood sugars, whether it's about how your fueling plan or it's about using medication or insulin or exercise or all of the other things that impact blood sugars, those same things are going to impact blood sugars for type twos. So yes. as I'm sitting around trying to figure out how do I talk type twos into creating their own community, what I realized was they don't need their own community. This one's already here. It helped your dad. It helped my mom. It helped those people. It can help them as well. And they can deal with the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment in their own time and still listen to this. Because Mm -hmm. if you have to go to a therapist and spend three years getting over the shame just so you can walk out and go to a class, well, that's too much. That's too long. It's too long to wait. So here's this thing. You can listen to it completely anonymously. And and I, I, I at first I thought, well, how am I ever going to get it into these people's hands? But there it is, right? People with type 1 diabetes, they all know people who have type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. And they already believe in the podcast. And they'll have no trouble sharing this series with them. And I thought, this is, this is it. Like, I, this is going to work. You, and you I, know? You, I think you bring in something sort of behind the scenes here that, like, jogged my brain. It's... People with type 1 diabetes are very vocal. They are. They they are very big advocates for themselves or the person that they're caring for with type 1. If somebody says something to them about, oh, well, hey, did you try this? Or, you know, if you did this more with your kid, you probably, they step in and they're like, no, you are wrong. But they educate the person. They don't just blather a bunch of offensive words to the person because they're angry. They educate the person and they say, this is why you're wrong. This is what we do. This is how we do it. And maybe in broad sense or maybe in a couple of sentences. And I think in that respect, once somebody with type 2 has enough information that they can spit back that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I will tell you why. But at this point, a good majority of the population with type 2 unless they've done their own research and you know, people have, they don't feel set with something to come back with. Yeah. How are they going to argue something when they think maybe they did it to themselves too? Correct. But, right? And it, and type 1s, this was my point earlier. At least what type 1s have is they can they can stand up and go, "I didn't do this to myself." Right. I'm going to argue and, and they won't get hit with, well, you did it because they can go, no, I didn't. And right. but, but a person with type two might actually, by the way, a lot of people think this. You could be a person who thinks this, too, and then get type two diabetes 
And now you you believe you did it to yourself because that's what you thought five minutes before it happened to you. Right. And, and this is just a this is a unique opportunity to take something that already exists, just adjust it a little tiny bit and make it work for a whole new group of people. And yes. you don't have to get over, I want you to get over the shame and the guilt because you don't deserve it. And it's 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 misplaced if you feel that way about type two diabetes. But in the time, but I think maybe the process of understanding how to help yourself might actually help you also get rid of some of those things. Like, I don't think you all have to go to a therapist to get past it. Do you know what I mean? Right. And eventually may also help again, if it, because of the large or the heavy genetic component to type two, you will impact somebody in your family's future. Yeah. I was going to say right? that. Yeah. You will help if your, you know, brother has type two now as well. Well, what you've learned, you can get them going in the right way. Right. So. No, no. I mean, I, I the way I was thinking about it was much more ham-fisted. But it, I mean, if you've gotten yourself to a point where you think, I'm never going to be able to get this back again. Like, all right, I respect that maybe that would be difficult to do. Also, trying doesn't hurt anything. But at least you could put the people in your family on a better path. Like, I mean, everybody talks mm -hmm. about breaking circles all the time. There's an easy circle to break. You know, you feed your kid the way you got fed. They're going to eat that way when they get older. And that's just- And they may not. Maybe that's enough lifestyle change from a genetic standpoint that you've impacted enough that they won't have type 2 diabetes. Exactly. Right. And so, so it, this is going to sound strange if you don't, you're not a podcast listener. This is your second episode because somebody shared this with you. But what I've noticed- overwhelmingly after, after she's interviewing like a thousand people is that it is a very common human trait to not be able to do something for yourself, but to be able to do it for somebody else is a lot easier. So if yes. it's not for you, if you have feelings of like inadequacy or you feel beaten already, do it for someone else, like do it for a kid or a loved one or somebody who will benefit, you know, and you'll, and listen, you're going to get the benefit too. And you'll see right. six months from now, a year from now that, you know, wow, this is helping yeah. me as well. Like, there's no secret here. You, like, just, you no. know, there, there really isn't. You, right. It, it, Nobody's when, hiding something from you. You're just not getting the right information to start with. And, and my bigger point is that it doesn't matter how we all got here. I hope I'm being clear about that. It doesn't matter if I have an autoimmune disease and my pancreas stops making insulin and I'm a type 1 diabetic. It doesn't matter if I ate myself into this and I have type 2 diabetes. And it doesn't matter if my genetic predisposition put me into this type 2 diabetes. None of it matters. We're all here now. Right. Time to do something, right? And mm -hmm. so that, I think, ends up being – that's why I wanted to talk about this as we were going into it. The impediment in those other people's minds about starting community for type 2s and how to help people who have type 2 diabetes is because they always get stuck on this piece, they're like, well, how are we going to get them out of that mindset? And what I'm saying is, you don't have to get out of that mindset. Just we'll, we'll work on that over time. Right now, mm -hmm. let's do some simple things. And by the way, if one of those things ends up being insulin, not a failure. If it's an injectable, not a failure. We're going to, Jenny and I are going to go over all those different medications in another episode. If you need help getting out of your situation, there's just no shame in that whatsoever. No. You know? Right. Like, uh, you, you need to do what you need to do. I mean, for type twos, we talk about with type ones, a lot of type ones will, um, 
they'll feel badly if they're using quote unquote too much insulin. They think the amount they're using is too much. Right. And we have episode after episode. You need the amount of insulin when you're a type one that you need. And and when you're a type two, if you've gotten to a point where your body just can't it can't shoulder it anymore, then help it. Don't just go down with the ship and say, I got the sugars. I guess I'm done. You know what I mean? Like you're not. There's so many good things you can do. Right. Your ship still has lifeboats. So yes. You yeah, utilize there's, one. There's things to do. And we're going to, yeah. and we're going to, and the, you could be surprised how quickly you can get to them as well. And how once you yeah. change those insulin issues or metabolic issues, that things like weight loss can come along. Like it's, right. it's very interesting. And a lot of these medications that'll help you with your type two will actually help you with weight to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, Oh my gosh. And to Jenny's point earlier, your doctor probably doesn't know. So, <laughs> so we got to figure no. out what to do for ourselves. Um, right. So that's going to be an interesting portion of this, Jenny, is that um, type ones are at their core, very independent in their care. And they're very accustomed because the, the one thing I, I wanted to mention that I haven't mentioned so far is that I think the benefit that you have, this is going to sound strange. When you get type 1 diabetes, this is going to sound really strange, so give me a second to get through it. I think the benefit that you have is that if you don't do something right away, it'll kill you. It forces you to do something. It forces it you does. to learn about it. It forces you to it forces you to get in the game. When you get type 2, the feeling is, ah, well, I got time. And yeah, you, you know. Time. Right. That's a that's right. a good word to use because right. I think from a physiology standpoint, there is a there there's a big difference in terms of one versus two. Yeah. Right. And time is a big reason that, as we already know with type one, regardless of how you're managing, you don't get a complication on t- on day do on day two of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Right. And these are things that until there's enough issue long term, finally, there might be some symptoms of something, right? But for both type one and type two, then diabetes, it is not a visible condition to live with Mm -hmm. in either regard. Type one, you're right. If you don't do something about this right now, meaning take your insulin, you will have a very quick impact of that, a very quick visual impact. Whereas with type two, if you forget to take your oral medication of whatever kind it is, or even maybe your insulin, one, maybe you don't have enough test strips to monitor, or maybe you don't know what the numbers mean or where you were before. So who knows what difference this made? Maybe you don't have a CGM. So again, you're completely blind. And until you're really paying attention to how your body feels when you are in those target ranges where you should be. Mm-hmm. You may be able to, as you said, get away with. Yeah. Well, it's the strength and the immediacy of the implications. If they're not right. too strong and not too quick, then you can procrastinate because, yes. because in your mind, you're like, ah, well, I've been okay this long. And, you Correct. know, like, but it, so what if I, let, let me just get through one more Christmas season. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yes. I, I'm going to have cornbread stuffing one more time. And like, like, you know, like, who knows like right. what, what the thought in your head is. But I'm saying that people, the way people's minds work, it's like, oh, I have time. I can I can do something about it. It doesn't mean they start 
necessarily doing something about it. It means they have time to do something about it. Like, I think, oddly, type 2 diabetes and the way I see people, even in my own life, decide or not decide to... I think the same attitude that put them in that situation is the same attitude that got my powder room needing a paint job three days, three years ago. Because I was like, ah, nobody sees it that much and I can get to it eventually. Like, like, right. it just, and, but the problem is, is then once it's too late, it's really, it's really, yeah, then it becomes a real issue. Like, act now, like, do it when it's only a little touch up. I should have right. done that when I just needed a couple of touch ups and one hole filled in. I could have got it all done in a couple of hours. And now I'm looking at ripping out a vanity and doing the whole thing again. Right. Uh, you know, anyway, I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, it does. And it also brings into, as I said earlier, with type two, it's almost an accumulation over time. Mm-hmm. Right. And for some people who haven't, maybe you haven't really kept up with healthcare because other than the average yearly cold that you have or whatever, maybe you've been feeling fine. And so you you skip your yearly visit with your doctor and you never get lab work done. So there are many things that can sneak up then. Yeah. If you haven't been at least going in yearly for a checkup, those are, I mean, they're important. Even I go in yearly to my primary care. I just, right? It's mm-hmm. part of my checklist of things to get done. Not that my primary care really does that a lot for me, but I'm glad that she is there if and when needed. And if I've got questions to bring up in that visit. So, you know, a checkpoint is just start going to your doctor yearly yeah. at least. And if there are things that you're kind of, hey, I've got a, a history of type 2 diabetes in my family. If the doctor doesn't, recommend checking, you know, an average glucose or even, hey, ask for an A1C, Mm. right? Get it checked. If it's this range to this range, well, goodness, doctor, could you send me in for, you know, some additional questions? I'd like to ask somebody about this. I think as adults, we get away from taking care of ourselves because there are so many things get loaded on as an adult that until until you're hobbling into the doctor because clearly your leg hurts so bad. You're like, oh, well, it started hurting about six months ago, but now I can't walk on it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know. It's too late now. Now it's broken. We got to do a whole thing. I, I, we just, we live in a different time. We do. You know, if you, listen, I wasn't alive in the 50s, but my expectation is that if I got a Coca-Cola in the 50s, it was a special thing that happened for me every once in a while. Yes. And now if I go to the grocery store and I'm willing to buy 10 bottles, I can get them for $10 because they're a dollar a bottle if I buy 10 bottles. And so I'm, listen, I'm, I want to say I'm not a judgmental person on this, on this front. I'm not because I, I do believe and I do think the way I said earlier, I think people just end up being carbon copies of what happened before them. Right. Sure. But I yes. walk down that aisle to get a sparkling water for myself. And I look in people's carts and I'm like, you are leaving here with more soda than I will drink in the next 10 years of my life. And you're going to be back here next week to buy more of it. Like, that's not a thing your body's supposed to process, right? Like, I I mean, I eat a Dorito once in a while, but you shouldn't. And (laughs) there's just, there's, there's food process. I know people hear this and they must be bored by it. Processed food is difficult for your body to, to process. <laughs> so it's, and, you know, and it's not food. No. And it's everything that everybody eats. Like there's just, it is, you know, it's something with calories. It is not food. Right. 
you'd be surprised how much better you feel when you get away from that stuff. And again, if it's a financial thing, I understand, but I mean, and now we're all yeah. like, I mean, we're going to end up talking about it as we go on. Like maybe people are thinking right now, like I can't break this cycle. I'm, I'm addicted to that food. Like mm-hmm. I absolutely know people who are addicted to food. Yeah. So it's, I, I understand all of that, but we'll talk about some things. Like maybe we'll talk about, you know, trying a intermittent fasting to help break some cycles of foods that you're stuck to or things like that yeah. in future episodes. Or budget, you know, budget eating, honestly, yep. is another thing to bring in because unfortunately type two diabetes doesn't care what you bring in monetarily. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it can be a major strain on many people, especially adults with families to take care of. And often, as you know, as a parent, you're very willing to take care of outside of your own self. Yeah. It's hard to think right? about yourself. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. As soon as my, listen, as soon as my kids, my son went, got his own job and my daughter went back to college and the first thing I did was make a doctor's appointment. I was yes. like, oh, and, and I it's thought, time. <laughs> I wonder when the last time I did this was, you, you, you mm. know, so I know how, I know what, how, I know what happens yes. and I know how you feel. And I know that it can feel like between the guilt and the shame and the uncertainty about how to deal with things and not really understanding nutrition as well as we all think we do. All that stuff together can feel like it's too much, but it's not. And, I, and I'll end with this and then you can say whatever you want at the end. I have now interviewed three people with type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. who have significantly changed their life through listening to this podcast. And they're really good. I li- I've listened to them. Yeah. And we're going to put them back into like circulation with these episodes too. Um, awesome. But, but it's so doable. And these people like, I want, I want to be clear. They're not like superheroes. Like they're not a person you'd look at and go, oh, well, yeah, of course they can do it. Look at them. But these, these are, these are people just like you and me. You know, and and they did it. They figured mm-hmm. out what was going on. They made some adjustments. Some of them added medication, and they came out the other side better off. And I think that's possible right. for everybody. So anyway, I agree. Good. No, that's excellent. Thank you. I thought you were going to say something thoughtful at the end, but just goodbye. Oh fine too. <laughs> no, not, well, you know, I, I just well, actually, what I was going to say is that I think this was a really good place to start. Because I think it's a big piece specific to type two, despite the comments that you had from the type ones and Mm -hmm. how they felt and kind of that background, um, you know, that background piece of, I don't know, feeling bad about like, what, did I do something wrong that I have this? Um, I think it's really important to address some of the reason that type two hasn't been well navigated in terms of helping people know how to do better for themselves. There is some disconnect between between the machine and mm-hmm. the people. Mm-hmm. And the people don't believe in the machine and the machine doesn't believe in the people. And, and that's how it looks to me. It looks like nobody thinks anybody can be helpful. And I think maybe maybe they can't be helpful, but I do think there's help that's available that would be beneficial and and could Agreed. make a big change in your life. I, I'm just tired of watching. I'm tired of watching people say like, "Oh, I, I, we really do care about this population," and I'm like, "Well, we should make some content for them." I, we don't have a budget for that. Well, okay, right. Thanks, great. Right. So you, you know, so it's just it's everybody. It nobody wants that. They want 
they want them to be there. They, if you're listening type twos, they want you to be there, right? Because they want to market mm-hmm. to you and they want to tell you what you need and everything. They don't know how to get you all together. And uh, it turns out I don't want to get you all together. I want you to go live your <laughs> life and be happy. I'm not looking to make a pile of people with type two diabetes who we can sell something to. Right. 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 I'm not. That's not my thing. Like, so I want to make content that helps them. And I want them. I have the same feeling about type twos as I have about type ones. Mm -hmm. I love that people listen to the podcast. and I think that's amazing. But I want them to get to a point where they don't need it anymore. Mm -hmm. And they can go on and just live their life. This should be a pit stop in your life, not the story of your life. Right. You know, and it should be a place too that you get enough information in digestible. Yeah in a digestible way that you can take action from just listening for 20 minutes about something that was very specific. You know, your med, here it is. I'm going to listen to this one because this is what I'm on. And you're like, well, darn, it's supposed to be doing this and it totally isn't. Maybe Mm -hmm. I can just go back to my doctor and talk about this, right? You know, it's those pieces that are really important because they're empowering, right? They're they're a way to say, gosh, I, I get this now. And I want this to work, but it's not. So I have to try something different. My hope is that when this is over, people will understand how food impacts them, how medications can impact them, how exercise will help them. And then they can go do these things on their own. Like it's just, right. it, to me, it, it's it's not as difficult as people have made it out to be. But I do, I do believe that the reason that somebody hasn't successfully put together a large type two community is because of of the stuff that we talked about here. And that's why I just wanted to dispense with it and just get it out of the way right away. Like, let this go. Let's get to the part where we, uh, we do something positive. So that's it. Agreed. All right. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you very much. Scott. Yep. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. I hope you're enjoying this so far. The next three episodes are going to be about your medical team, your fueling plan, and technology that might help you with type 2 for pre-diabetes. Keep coming back. This series is going to be terrific. Thank you so much to Jenny, and of course to you for listening, and to all the people who shared this with you. I also want to thank the Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter, and remind you that if you're testing your blood sugar, you want to get a good, accurate number. And you can do that with the Contour Next Gen. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, subscribe or follow the podcast in an audio app like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Amazon, what is that called? Amazon Music, sorry. Um, There's a whole bunch. Actually, if you need a, a podcast or an audio player, There's a ton of links to free ones at juiceboxpodcast.com. You shouldn't have to pay for a podcast app. But if you hit follow or subscribe in those apps, you'll get new episodes as they're available. And it helps the show.